Mark chapter 10, 46. I'll say it in Espanol for you. Just kidding. I'll say it in, in English. And they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with the disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus was outside by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man saying to him, take heart, get up. He's calling you. Verse 50. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Not as eloquently done as Jose, but that is the reading of God's word. Uh, let's pray over it this morning before we dive into what the Lord has for us. So holy God, we say thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for your grace that's been poured out. God, thank you, Lord, that we see Jesus, Lord, for who he really is. And if there are those who don't see him, would you reveal your ever-loving kindness to them, Lord? And would you, as you did in the scripture, stop for that person? Lord, I pray that you would be mighty to save in this room. And it is in your beautiful name we pray. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. There are some prophecies, and I'm thinking Isaiah, that are building with anticipation about a Messiah who's going to come and a Messiah who's going to give sight to people's blinded eyes. Isaiah 35, 3 says this, strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not, behold, your God will come with vengeance and with recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then notice what he says, the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Now, here's, here's what I just want to point out, just in, in passing, uh, because I find this interesting, that, that when we see these types of prophecies that are given about the blind recovering their sight, name me a prophet who was able to give someone sight to their blinded eyes. Well, we can't. You know, Elijah did some really cool things. Elisha did some really nice things. Moses did some great things. Recovering the sight of the blind, there is not one prophet in the Old Testament that would be able to feel this type of service to the people. So there's this anticipation that the Messiah is going to be the one who can look at the blind and touch them and make them whole and give them sight to their blinded eyes. Now, what Mark has just recorded here for us is, I believe, the last miracle 
that Jesus is going to perform for a person now. I'm not talking about resurrection. That's a pretty cool miracle. Uh, but I'm talking about like just him going to someone and healing and, and restoring and doing his thing that he's been doing. And this is the last one uh, that we see. Now, it's interesting because, and, and I'm just going to point this out. It's significant because this guy is blind. Now, if I read through this and I'm, and I'm taking things at face value, I, I've got to kind of look at this and say, he ain't the only blind person in this story. In fact, he's probably the least blind of them all. I'll take you on a journey if you don't believe me, and that's okay. You don't have to believe me. I mean, I've got the microphone, and you don't. And, and so if you, if you think back in, in chapter 8, verse 17, uh, Jesus had just performed a miracle, the feeding of the thousands. You remember this? And right after he feeds them, he looks at his disciples. I believe it's verse 17. And he looks at them and says, do you have eyes and not see yet? I mean, they, you know, they're just, they're, 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 they, there's this unbelief about these disciples. They just don't get it yet. And Jesus calls them out. And he's like, listen, do you not see who I really am yet? And if you think that's the only example I'll give you, you're wrong because there are plenty more examples following chapter eight where Jesus just constantly is calling them out. Are you so blind that you don't see who I really am? I think, and I, I, I can go through every chapter, but I'll skip to chapter 10 when they were bringing little children to Jesus to have to, to, to him. Um, but the disciples rebuked them. We don't want other children filling around with Jesus, I suppose they might have said, in, in not a Southern way. We don't want these children around the Messiah. And Jesus is like, well, well, unfortunately for you, because you're so blind, if, in fact, if you don't come to me like one of these children, then you won't be able to enter into the kingdom. And, and then like right after the, 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 them going down from uh, the transfiguration, right? You remember this? They just saw Jesus for who he really is, his glory like bursting through his skin. And, and, then, and, then, and then what do they, what do they, what do they say? Hey, I wonder who's going to be the greatest, right? This is just a brief recap of where we've been for the past few months. You know, we, well, I just want to be the greatest, Jesus. I mean, you keep talking about dying. You keep on talking about like, like going back up to heaven. Well, I need to know, like, am I going to be the best one to take over this movement? And, you know, Jesus looks at him. He's like, well, in fact, I'm going to flip the whole kingdom upside down for you and tell you that greatness isn't what you think greatness is. You want to be great. You got to be, uh, you, you got to learn how to serve. And, and you remember last week, it was the same thing. It was the same thing. James and John, they leave Peter out, right? Peter was with them in the transfiguration. And James and John, they go to Jesus and they, they come to Jesus and like, Jesus, um, can I sit at your right hand and my brother sit at your left hand? And, and, Jesus, just, and, and he, Jesus just looks at them and again, just rebukes them and is like, why are you worried about where you are seated? You're just like the Gentile people who are worried about status and power and fame and influence. When in my kingdom, that's not how, we, that's not how things flow. Because in my kingdom, what looks like greatness to you is not greatness. You see, and this is just a side note for us for future conversations when we get into eschatological uh, chapter in chapter 13, that Jesus always flips the kingdom around. 
And what you think is the way, Jesus says, is not the way. We say up, Jesus says down. We say this way, Jesus is like, no, boys, it's this way. So, so do you not see now um, that blind Bartimaeus, he ain't the only blind folk in this story that we're talking about. Be, because, because there are a lot of blind people. And in fact, I would just suggest to us that before he receives his healing, he's probably the least blind of all of these jokers in this story. Now, as we're told, and they go to Jericho, and so you got to, the next page that you're going to flip next week, it's, it's the beginning of Passion Week, right? Jesus is going to ride in on the donkey, and he's going to flip the tables at the, uh, not the turntables, he's going to flip the tables in the temple, and, uh, and some of you are too young to get that kind of joke. Um, and so he's going to ride in into the week where he is about to be crucified, and then resurrected. And so we are right here at the cusp of it. And so the Passover is approaching. And here's this blind man, and he's crying out to Jesus. Now, it's, it's interesting. This blind man here, every day probably. I mean, we can probably assert this into the story. The blind man's probably here all the time. I don't know, his family probably leaves him out there. Go alms, go, go, go beg for money, go beg for the things that you need. And there's going to be beggars that are always lying around at the gates. So this is kind of significant. So we look at this scene and we have a blind man, Bartimaeus. He's sitting and he's begging and he's probably doing this every day of his life. And what is the response of the people? Shut up. Just shut up. You're annoying. You can't contribute anything to society. Nobody likes you. Like some of you think I'm, I'm, I'm describing your spouse, but I'm not. You, you, you or your children. Like nobody likes you. Like just stay over there. Like and, and here's the thing that's happening right here. The disciples and the people who are following Jesus are really consumed with the person and the power of Jesus because Passover is coming because they have an agenda and they've got to hurry. Like we're too busy for all of this nonsense. We're too busy for this blind beggar who's got to get a little creative so he caught wind that Jesus of Nazareth is coming. And it's really interesting because I think this is the only time in Mark's gospel that son of David is referenced. Now, I may have been listening in and, you know, if, you, if you're blind, then you got really good ears. It, because you've got to rely on one sense of your body because the primary sense of your body is not working. You can't see, so you've got to really trust in your ears. So I don't know if he's like leaning into a church service and somebody's talking about this son of David who's going to come and reign on a throne. Maybe they're reading from the scrolls of Isaiah. Maybe they're saying that, you know, today the scripture is fulfilled in Isaiah chapter 63, that he will give sight to the blind. 
Maybe he heard these things, and so maybe he's kind of, again, he's not as blind as folks think because maybe he's connected the dots in truly realizing who Jesus is, and so he's calling him out, Jesus, son of David, Jesus, son of David. Now, that's pretty significant, isn't it? That a blind man who has no sight already can see Jesus for who he really is. And watch what he calls out for, because I think this is telling to us all. What does he say? Does he say, Jesus, son of David, heal my body right now. Does he say that? Does he say, Jesus, give me what I need right now in this moment. Oh, that we would have eyes to see like this blind man. Because he prays the prayer that we ought to be praying many times. Jesus, have mercy on me. When, when we're caught up in our sin, we're caught up in our shame, we're caught in guilt, when, when we're caught up in just things that we shouldn't be doing, you know, you know we, we, sometimes our prayers are, are like, well, Jesus, just remove this thing, and, and Jesus, take this situation out, and Jesus, you know, do this right now in my life. What your prayer ought to be is, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. That's what your prayer ought to be. But, you know, we got this little thing up in here uh, in, in the Americas where we believe we are privileged and we believe Je we deserve something from Jesus because he owes us. Well, Jesus, you owe me. You know, you, you, I've been going through this for you, so you better do this for me. No, your prayer ought to be, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on my soul. When you come to Christ, that's the prayer. So this this blind joker, Bartimaeus, he ain't as blind as we think he is because he's got a clear vision of who Jesus is. And so he cries out and he gets a little creative because it catches the attention of Jesus. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the crowd, they tell him, just be quiet. Shut up. Now, isn't that, now that's, that's, I got to just say this in passing again. This is interesting because these people are following Jesus. These are the followers of Jesus. And how has it been that they have become a barrier for someone to miss experiencing Christ? And so, and so I just want to say, is it possible that we as a church could become a barrier for others to miss Jesus? And the answer is yes. We are a barrier anytime we say no to witnessing to our neighbors. We are a barrier anytime we say, no, I'm not sharing the love of Christ to this fool today because they're getting on my nerves. That's how you become a barrier. And so these people just felt like they were just so inconvenienced by this blind joker that they were not going to miss what Jesus was about to do. <laughs> and then it just, it just sounds like, like church. Well, I just got to get what Jesus has for me here. Instead of just saying, you know what, God, what are you doing around me? Then I need to pause and stop and listen and share the love of Christ to those around me. It's, it's interesting. And so, and so what we have here is, is Christ going to, 
show an immense amount of compassion. And so you got, I don't know, like, I don't know what the crowd was saying. I'd love to be there. Uh, maybe I shouldn't have loved to be there because I would probably be one of the ones who were told, telling him, hey, dude, shut up. Nobody likes you. You know, just go back in your corner and beg. Uh, I don't know. Maybe like Jesus just like, like, hey, wait a minute. Jesus stops and he's like, go get the guy. And that's, that's fascinating because, because you got to, I wonder like how the crowd felt. They got to felt pretty small, right? I mean, like they're telling the dude to shut up. Jesus stops. I mean, I just, I love, I love that those two words, I, I had a tattoo it, but you shouldn't have tattoos, even though I have them. Jesus stops because he could have kept going because he could have been enthralled with the praise of the people headed up to Jer- or Jerusalem, ready for Passover, anticipating what God was about to do. But Jesus found it so fit that this man sees Jesus for who he is and Jesus wants to stop. It's an immense amount of the grace of God that we see here. It is a beautiful picture of the grace of Jesus that Jesus would stop. And he says, call him. Now, I wonder if it's the guy who was telling him to shut up. You know, I would think that, you know, if I were Jesus, good thing I'm not Jesus, but if I were Jesus, I'd make somebody look like a fool at this point. Like the one who's telling him to shut up, I'd point to him like, hey, you, (laughs) Mr. Too Big for your britches. Why don't you go call him and go bring him to me? And the blind man, he, he gets up, and I love, I love what the text says. He throws off his blanket. He throws his cloak aside. He's, he's jumping, and he came to Jesus. He throws, he jumps, and he comes to Jesus. And Jesus asks him a very familiar yet interesting question that we've heard just before. And it's quite comical. He looks at a blind man and he asks him a question. What do you want me to do for you? Now, on one side, we just heard this question. We just heard this question when when James and John say, hey, can you do something for us? And Jesus says, what is it that you want me to do? They failed in their answer. Well, I'll take it on the right and little brother will take it on the left and... Everybody will look straight at us when they enter into the pearly white gates of heaven. And they failed. And Jesus is like, man, you've been with me this long and you just don't get it. But he looks at the blind man. And I think this is an interesting question. He looks at a blind man and he asks him, why do you need to ask a blind man this? But he asks him anyway, what is it that you want me to do for you? And the blind man says, I need my sight. The blind man says, I need my sight. It is an incredible question. It is a phenomenal question that Jesus asks him. And he stops in order that he can come to this man. And not only as a testimony for man, this man, because if you study your scripture and if you've been listening at any length to this whole series through the gospel of Mark, you can hear clearly 
that any miracle Jesus does is not by accident. It is not just some random thing like, I think today I'm going to heal a blind man. There's always a purpose behind Jesus's miracles in the New Testament and in these gospels. And Jesus is wanting to display to this certain crowd something. And what is that? How can it be that a blind man who has been a beggar by the gates his whole life be able to identify who Christ really is? Yet the people who have been following him all this time still, as Jesus would say, have eyes that do not see, ears that do not hear, and a brain that just can't comprehend. And I added that last part. Like, how is this? Isn't it interesting? Because what Jesus is doing, because if we can, we, remember whenever we, we're, we're looking at scriptures, it's, it's the rules of hermeneutics that when we are interpreting scripture, we look at scripture, what's going on around the scripture? What was before the scripture? What's after the scripture? And then what do the other scriptures say about this particular scripture? And there's just been this theme about entering into the kingdom of God. And there's been this, this, this message that Jesus continues to push out that if you want to enter the kingdom of God, you've got to do it as a little insignificant person and you repent and you believe. And the only way that you will find it within your heart to repent and believe is if you become little and insignificant and if you can see Jesus for who he really is. Jesus is pressing upon this crowd the importance of this continued message of the kingdom. You think that you're all haughty and you've got your eyes to see. Like, boy, you, you can see the gates that we're approaching in Jericho. You can, you can see that we're right here on the cusp of some great things, but yet you are so blind. And the only one among you that really gets it is blind Bartimaeus. It's a, it is a, <laughs> it's a scathing rebuke on all of us. There are a few things that I just want to point out from this passage uh, just briefly. Just a few thoughts. The, the first thought is, and in, in, in when, <laughs> when I was reading, and I got I to be honest with you, like, as I was reading this, this was so convicting to me. Because as I watch the disciples, I see myself and how busy I can be. There was a study um, about Christmas cards. I understand it's March, about Christmas cards. Uh, it still feels like Christmas outside, so we'll go with it. From a collection that dates back to the 1960s, every decade, catch this now, every decade, the words hectic and crazy popped up with more frequency. And in the context of life is hectic, life is crazy. Why is that? Because we've busied ourselves so much that life has become so anxious and busy and hectic and chaotic. Because we're busy. And because we're busy, we miss God doing so much around us. 
You know, we have our ideas of what God is supposed to do. We, we see how God's moving over there, and he better be doing it right over here at the same time, you know, you know, at the same way. And we've got, like, we're busy with our agendas. We're busy with just life in general. And sometimes, just as these followers of Christ, sometimes our busyness creates a barrier for others to meet Christ. Because you realize that people will meet Christ because of you, right? How will they not hear if they're not told what is Romans 10 would tell us? We're just busy. Isn't that what we say to people? Hey, how you doing? Well, it's been real busy, you know. Work, you know. I got my kids in 15 different sports because I think they're going to be an all-star athlete, which, by the way, they're not. I don't know if you need to know that. You know, I got my kid in music. I got this. I got that. It is so busy. And we use busyness as an excuse. And because we've used busyness as an excuse, I just, I, I'm curious, and I'm wondering this about myself, how many people have missed an opportunity to hear about Christ because I was just so busy with my own life? You know, we go to the gym, we pop in our earbuds, and, and I got them... I got them earbuds that cancel out um, noise. And it just like, when that happens, it's like my body just like does this thing. And it's like, <laughs> I don't have to listen to people. I don't have to hear what they're saying. I just pretend that it's me and me alone in this building. Because I'm busy. I've got to hurry up, get what I need to do and go on because I got to get back to work and I got to do this and I got to do that. And I'm just curious and I'm not, I'm, I'm asking myself, how many people have missed an opportunity to encounter Christ? Because I said to myself, well, I'm just too busy. And essentially what I've said to the people around me, shut up, be quiet. Jesus doesn't want to be bothered by you. Another thought I had from this is that question that Jesus asked the blind man. It's a very interesting question because if I went up to a blind person the obvious answer to the question is he's blind. Give him his sight, Jesus. Do you not think this is weird? You know, maybe Jesus was testing his faith. Maybe Jesus was just doing this as like some type of uh, experiment to the crowd to display more. But it's interesting because the blind man who has been likely been blind his whole entire life, right? And if you have been blind you are in poverty, you are viewed as a less than, you are begging for money, you may have a friend, you may have someone who is taking you out by the gate during the daytime so that you can get what you need to provide for yourself. And so, and so I think through this, and I'm wondering, if I've been bent towards a position of poverty, or sickness, then I'm going to likely say, you know what, Jesus, as a matter of fact, yes, you can do something for me because I'm blind. I could really, really use a new walking stick. Or how about one of those guide dogs? Those are really cool. Can it be a golden retriever? Or about some food, man? How about like five bucks so I can go get me, I don't know what they ate, like a piece of fish. Can you, can you just go get me a coffee, Jesus, please? And he could have asked for that. 
And here's my fear. That Jesus is asking us, what do you want me to do for you? And our answer, and our response, is you know what, Jesus? Just, just give me something that will help me survive the day. Jesus, just provide for me that one thing. Jesus, just give me some lines. Jesus, give me this. And when we look at this full context of what is this, the blind man, what is he asking for? He's asking for salvation. Save me from this. And I, and I just, just want to press. Jesus may be asking the same question. What do you want me to do for you today? And so many of us, we're not asking, God, would you be mighty to save in my family? God, would you be mighty to save in my city? God, would you be mighty to save in my community, in my neighborhood, in my school, in my job? Why don't, why don't we ask Jesus to do that? What do you think, he's not capable of doing that? Hey, why don't we ask Jesus to save people because that's what we're supposed to be praying for. Salvation. Salvation in our land, salvation in our country, in our world. Why would we not be praying for these things? And so Jesus is asking this question, what do you want me to do? And so many of us are, are just saying, saying what, what, you know, what, what if I could just get a new walking cane. You know, if I can just get you to do this for me, as if Jesus is our bellhop and he is supposed to give us what we think we deserve because that's not what this man asked. He was not saying, Jesus, give me what I deserve. Give me, give me all these necessities of life. Give me back all those things that I feel like were robbed for me. Like, you know, give me the house that I was never able to have. Give me the car. They didn't drive cars. Give me the donkey that I never was able to ride on. Be, because Jesus was, was willing to give him that which he really needed. The, the other thing that I want to I just land on is, is this beautiful gospel imagery in here. What we really have, and, and what's happening is this, in this little incident, right before we, we move into... Um, the, you know, Jesus riding in and, and then heralding Hosanna, Jesus, you know, doing the Passover and all these different things. What we have here is this kind of microcosmic view of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of the gospel. Because what we have here is a predicament of this person who is blind. And not only this person but what we have is a predicament of other people who are also blind. And the blindness that I'm referring to is not some physical blindness, but it is the spiritual blindness. And when I think through the gospel, and when I think about the message of salvation, and when I think how Christ saves people, I, I, I think of this story because it wasn't anything this man can conjure up to allow him to get his sight back. It was only Jesus stopping and Jesus going to the man and having the man brought to him and, and encountering this man. And it was only Jesus who was the one who can give sight to the blind. 
And that is the gospel. Who gives sight to spiritually blinded eyes? Who was the one in Isaiah chapter 30, uh, chapter 35 that we were talking about, who was the one who would be able to give sight to the blind because none of the prophets could give sight to the blind because there was only one person, one God man who would be able to give us sight to our blinded eyes. And that was Christ. Christ is the only one who could give sight to our spiritually blinded eyes. It's only Christ who can do that. Christ is the one who calls us. Christ is the one who makes us able to see. This man had this reality. I know I'm blind and I know there's something wrong. And because of that reality, he was able to see Christ for who he really is. You will never know the, the, the necessity and the true reality of who Jesus Christ is until you see how blind and until you see how depraved your soul is. You will never see the glorious view of Jesus Christ. You'll never see him as a necessity until you see how blind you really are. It reminds me of the old hymn. They still have hymns. I don't know if you knew that. There's a hymn, hymnal in the front of your seat. That's a lie. Pass me not, O gentle Savior, hear my humble cry. While on blind men you are calling, do not pass me by. Savior, Savior, hear my humble cry. While on others you are calling, please, oh, please don't pass me by. And the people said, you be quiet, you shut up. But Jesus stopped. And Jesus called for the man. And Jesus did not pass this guy by. Let's pray.